This podcast is brought to you by Seekers Hub. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. This is Faraz Rabani of Seekers Hub Global encouraging you to join our Prophetic Spring campaign and become a helper. The Prophetic Spring campaign urges you to join a 5,000 strong group of supporters who've enabled Seekers Hub to spread the life-giving water of prophetic guidance to millions around the world. Alhamdulillah. Last year we reached nearly 4 million unique visitors through our online offerings. We had 80,000 student registrations in our courses. Term 1 of 2018 had 33,000 student registrations, over 5,000 of which were in our Step 1 certificate, which is a one-year program. And all of this is offered completely free of charge, taught by qualified teachers around the world. The Prophetic Spring Campaign aims to support and spread this. So become a supporter. Give monthly to this campaign. Help us reach $10,000 a month. But I'm reaching out to you here even more specifically to become a helper in this campaign. Email helpers at seekershub.org and we'll send you information right away on how you can tell your friends and family about this campaign so that you can be a helper of the prophetic way. Barakallahu ta'ala fikum. Just send the email helpers at seekershub.org and give now to the Prophetic Spring Campaign yourself at seekershub.org slash donate. Barakallahu fikum. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa afdalu salati wa atamu taslimi ala mabuuthi rahmatalil alameen, Sayyidina wa Nabiina wa kurati ayunina rasulillahi Muhammad ibn Abdullahi sadiq al Amin, sallallahu wa sallam alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, amma ba'd. فهذا هو المجلس أو الدرس التاسع من دروسنا في شعب الإيمان وهو الدرس قبل الأخير الذي إن شاء الله يكون في يوم غد ختام الحديث عن شعب الإيمان بحسب التقسيم الذي قسمه الإمام محمد مرتضى الزبيدي رحمه الله تعالى All praise belongs to Allah سبحانه وتعالى and we send Allah's peace and blessings upon the one who was sent as a mercy to the worlds, the coolness of our eyes, our Master Muhammad, and upon his family and companions. <clears throat> to proceed, uh, we are continuing with the lessons on the branches of faith. Uh, and this is our ninth lesson of the branches of faith. And inshallah, uh, tomorrow, the tenth lesson, will be the conclusion uh, to these classes, uh, w- w- inshallah ta'ala. كان حديثنا يوم أمس عن الشعب المتعلقة بالأمور المدنية أو بالمعيشة المدنية وتكلمنا عن الإمارة والجماعة ومطاوعة وللأمر والمعاونة على البر إلى آخر ذلك ثم اليوم درسنا يتفرع من هذه الشعب المدنية وهو الحديث عن الضروريات الخمس الضروريات الخمس التي نزلت الشرائع السماوية بحفظها وهي uh, and in yesterday's lesson, we looked at the branches of faith related to civic duty and civic life. So we talked about establishing governance, uh, following the majority, uh, obeying authority, and so on and so forth. And in this lesson, we are going to look at uh, what are known as uh, the necessary uh, five maxims of the Sharia, uh, which is 
uh, the preservation of religion, of intellect, uh, of uh, the preservation of honor, the preservation of life, and the preservation of wealth or property. فقال المؤلف رحمه الله تعالى وحفظ الدين بالقتل والقتال وحفظ النفس بالكف عن الجنايات وإقامة الحدود حدود الجراحي وحفظ العقل بالمنع عن المسكرات والمخبثات وحفظ المال بطلب الحقوق وأدائها وحفظ الأعراض بإقامة حدود الزنا والقذف والتعزير ورفع الضرر عن المسلمين And the seven uh, branches that we're looking at uh, related to these five uh, maxims to be preserved. The way the preservation of religion is through uh, uh, fighting and defense. The preservation of life is through protection from uh, crimes. Uh, the preservation uh, from crimes and, and establishing the punishments uh, that are uh, that go along with those crimes. The preservation of intellect is through the... Uh, 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 prohibition of things that make uh, the intellect uh, intoxicants and so forth. And the preservation of wealth is by establishing the rights related to that and, and, and doing that. And the preservation of honor is through establishing the punishments related to uh, fornication and accusations of adultery uh, and uh, removing any harm from the Muslims. فالشعبة الأولى لهذا الدرس هي حفظ الدين بالقتل والقتال وللقتل في القرآن الكريم عدة معان أوصلها بعض العلماء إلى سبعة معان عندما نذكر كلمة القتل والقتال دائما هذه الكلمة ترعب الناس ودائما هذه الكلمة تبث الرعب والمخاوف والشكوك والأوهام حتى عند بعض المسلمين لماذا؟ لأن الإعلام اليوم ولأن أعداء الإسلام والذين يحاولون تشويه صورة الإسلام السمحة صورة المشرقة يحاولون التشويه دائما بأفعال ينسبونها إلى الإسلام بواسطة ما يفعله بعض الناس المجهولين غالبا من إفساد في الأرض وقتل للناس بدون حق فلا بد أن يعود المسلم إلى كتاب الله وسنة رسوله حتى يفهم هل ذكر القتل والقتال في القرآن والسنة عبثا أم هناك أمور منظمة وأمور ليست لأفراد الناس وإنما هي للسلطات العليا التي تحكم المسلمين في المجتمع. When we talk about fighting or battle in the in the Quran, the scholars say that there are seven meanings for the word قتل. Or fighting uh, in the Quran, and when we talk about fighting, a lot of people immediately have a reaction where they're uncomfortable, or they're afraid, or they get misconceptions, or uh, different ideas come to their mind. Uh, and even this happens even to Muslims uh, because of what people see of uh, misrepresentations often in the media, and people. Uh, who are the enemies of Islam in reality, and many who are unknown to us, who are doing very vile acts, uh, you know, in the world, and saying that it is in the name of Islam, and really trying to distort the beautiful and radiant uh, uh, reality of what Islam is. So it's important for those who feel that way that we look at the Quran 
and we ask the question, has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just mentioned fighting in the Qur'an without any purpose? Is it just something random or does it actually have principles and boundaries uh, and a way of understanding it based on the Qur'an? فَهُنَاكَ مَعَانٍ يُقْصَدُ مِنْهَا حَقِيقَةُ الْفِعْلِ أَوْ حَقِيقَةُ الْمَعْنَى كَالْقَتِلْ وَالْقِتَالِ الَّذِي هُوَ تَرَاحُمُ الصُّفُوفِ وَالْتِقَاءُ الْجِيُوشِ فِي الْحُرُوبِ الَّتِي لَهَا أَسْبَابُهَا وَهَذَا لَيْسَ مَجَالُنَا وَلَكِنْ نَحْنُ كَلَامُنَا عَنْ أَنَّ الْحِفَاظَ عَنْ الدِّينِ أَنَّ مِنْ مِنْ كَمَالِ إِيمَانِ الْمُؤْمِنِ أَنْ يَعْلَمَ أَنَّ قِتَالَ الْمُعْتَدِينَ فِيهِ حِمَايَةٌ لِلدِّينِ وَمُؤَازَرَةُ أو والتصديق بأحقية هذا الدفاع هو من كمال الإيمان. When we talk about there is a meaning in the Quran that relates to actual battle and actually fighting when people meet on the battlefield and they're fighting against one another. But that's not the meaning that we are focusing on right now. But the way that we want to understand it or the way that it applies here is understanding uh, that there is a time and a way in order to preserve the religion and that the religion deserves to be defended and preserved, that uh, there are situations where one would have to defend uh, defend the religion in that way. ليس معناها أنهم ماتوا إنما هذا دعاء عليهم أي دعاء عليهم بالهلاك الخراصون الكذابون فهنا قتل الخراصون الذين هم في غفنة تساهون يسألون أيانا يوم الدين يومهم على النار يفتنون فالخراصون الكذابون هذا دعاء عليهم وأيضا قول الله تعالى إنه فكر وقدر فقتل كيف قدر دعاء عليه وليس معناه أن الفعل ما الماضي لقتل للموت أو للقتل نعم uh, so if you look even at the Quran, in the Qur'an, the word qatil, uh, which oftentimes people just think the only meaning is fighting, it has multiple meanings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, قُتِلَ uh, الْخَرَّاسُونَ That, um, you know, the, the liars have been killed, literally, if that's how we would translate the words. But in reality, that word qutila here is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cursing them that those who are lying and lying about the resurrection and the end of time, that they are cursed. And in another verse of the Qur'an, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, he thought about and planned, and then his his plan was cursed. So it's not the, the past tense of the Arabic word, but in reality it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cursing this person. So that's a meaning of the word in the Qur'an itself. أيضا من معاني القتل التعذيب والتنكيل قال الله تعالى أينما ثقفوا أخذوا وقتلوا تقتيلا وقتلوا تقتيلا أي الأسرى أو المحاربين إذا كان وقع منهم من الأعداء في أسر المسلمين هل يقتل الأسير لا يقتل ولكن إذا كان محاربا يعذب فالقتل هنا ليس معناه هو القتل إنما الشدة في التعذيب uh, so there's another verse of the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wherever they are found, they are taken, well, uh, and it doesn't mean that they are killed, and this is in regards to prisoners of war, it doesn't mean that they're actually killed. Prisoners of war are not meant to be killed, but rather if they're taken, that they're treated uh, severely and uh, punished. 
أيضا في حديث عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عندما قال إذا أن المار بين يدي المصلي يدفع قال فقيل فإن فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قاتله فإنه شيطان أي إذا دافعك قال فادفعه أو قاتله هل هل الإنسان فهو صلي يقاتل أخذ السيف لا قاتل يعني يدفعه هذه المعاني في اللغة العربية كثيرة ولهذا لا يعني الفرق بين العالم والجاهل هو في معرفة المراد مراد الله سبحانه وتعالى من من ذكر بعض الأحكام لأن تطبيقها من من قبل الجاهلين يؤدي إلى فساد وإلى أخطاء نعم ترتكب باسم الإسلام In another in a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said if someone passes in front of you in prayer then he used the trilateral route for qatala but what actually the Prophet ﷺ meant is not that you fight someone in the middle of your prayer, but actually that you push them off or you uh, uh, make them avoid walking in front of you. So there are many meanings for the word in Arabic, and the difference between someone who has knowledge and someone who is ignorant is that the knowledgeable person understands these things and understands the uh, uh, the 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 will of Allah subhanahu wa taala in revealing these rulings and does not apply it haphazardly like the ignorant person. So if an ignorant person takes this information and applies it haphazardly as they think it means, then uh, uh, it will cause uh, uh, corruption and be a mis uh, misapplication of the religion. ثم قال الشعبة الثانية حفظ النفس بالكف عن الجنايات لأن النفس في الإسلام معصومة. كل من قال لا إله إلا الله كما جاء في الحديث عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من قالها فقد عصم مني دمه وماله إلا بحقها وما حقها يعني إذا اعتدى يعتدى عليه ويؤخذ حدا أو تعزيرا فالنفوس المعصومة كل مسلم أو كل إنسان نطق بكلمتي التوحيد فإنه معصوم الدم وهذه النفوس المعصومة كل اعتداء عليها بغير وجه حق يجب دفعه ومن الذي يدفع الذي يدفع هو الإمام أو الحاكم أو الوالي أو القاضي ومن في حكمهم. and then the next branch of faith is the preservation of life the preservation of life and the prophet صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم he taught us that uh, the life of a believer is especially uh, sacred and inviolable and he said صلى الله وسلم عليه that whoever of you says لا إله إلا الله then they have made their life and their wealth uh, sacrosanct. In other words, sacred and inviolable, such that uh, no one can harm them or no one can can uh, harm them, except if they perform a sin upon which there is a specific punishment uh, that, that would, uh, for example, be execution in that case. Uh, so uh, this teaches us that uh, there are particular rulings, but that the general case is the preservation of life, and how do we actually preserve that is by pushing away harm, and who are the ones who put those rules into place? It is those who are responsible for governance, the leader, the ruler, and the proper authorities. يقول المولى سبحانه وتعالى ولا تقتل النفس التي حرم الله إلا بالحق يحرم الاعتداء بالقتل المباشر أو بما يسبب القتل كالدلالة أو كأن يمسك إنسان شخصا ليقتله الآخر كل هذا إعانة وكل ما هو إعانة ولو بالكلام أو بشهادة الزور كل ذلك ما يسبب قتل المسل قتل النفس المحرمة فإنه فإن فاعل ذلك السبب يكون شريكا للقاتل في الإثم. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, and do not kill the life that Allah has made inviolable except with a just cause, except with upon truth and a just cause. So what does that mean, a just cause? For example, if someone commits a crime and they kill another person, then they are, uh, you know, then they will be punished for that sin. Or if someone is an accomplice in that. So maybe they did not actually take the life of the other person, but they held them down while the other uh, person took the life. So in that case, they would be an accomplice, even if they actually uh, were an accomplice by helping out verbally. If someone is going to, to commit a crime, you say, oh, he's over there, go get him. Even verbally, a person can be an accomplice, and then uh, they would be subject to the punishment according to that. ويدخل في تحريم قتل النفس الانتحار وهو قتل إنسان نفسه أيضا هذا أمر محرم والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول في حديث من من ترد من فوق جبل فهو في نار جهنم يبعث يترد في في من الجبال في في النار ومن وجأ نفسه بحديدة بعث كذلك أي من طعن نفسه أو من رمى نفسه من جبل فإنه يعذب في النار بنفس هذه الطريقة التي قتل نفسه بها في الدنيا أو كما جاء في الحديث وهذا محرم نعوذ بالله من من هذه الأمور التي تؤدي إلى الانتحار يعني نسمع الكثير كثرت في في هذا الزمن ومنذ أزمان شخص مكتئب يقتل نفسه شخص كذا ينتحر يعني الإسلام له حل لكل المشاكل حتى المشاكل النفسية المشاكل النفسية حلها بذكر الله بالذهاب إلى أحد العلماء والصالحين يرشد الإنسان إلى ذكر إلى قراءة القرآن يعني أسباب كثيرة تجعل الإنسان يعود منشرح الصدر وهو بمجرد أن يحرك لسانه أو يذهب إلى مسجد أو يعتكف فينبغي لنا أن نحفظ أهلنا وأولادنا ومن نعرف ممن نراهم مكتئبين أو في انفراد وعزلة لأن هذه العزلة قد تؤدي إلى حدوث أمور مكروهة فالإنسان دائما يكون مع إخوانه المسلمين بالنصيحة والإرشاد And another aspect of taking a life is a person taking their own life which is also forbidden in our religion and suicide is forbidden in our religion and as the Prophet said in a hadith the meaning of which is if a person throws themselves off of a mountain and commits suicide that way, then they will continuously do that same act in the hellfire over and over again. Or if a person stabs themselves, then they'll continuously be stabbing themselves uh, in, in the hereafter in a form of punishment. And we seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the things that cause someone to actually want to kill themselves. Unfortunately, we hear about these cases uh, more and more in these times, and they occurred in previous times as well, where people, you know, they'll get very sad, and then they'll uh, try to take their own life, or something bad will happen to them, and they, were, they will try to take their own life. Uh, but we really need people to, to connect deeply with their religion because Islam has a solution for every problem, even the internal, uh, uh, you know, the internal problems of an individual. So they need to either remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or go visit one of the righteous, uh, salihin and get dua from them and guidance from them and advice from them. Or they'll read Quran, or they'll go uh, into the masjid and stay there for extended periods of time in du'a and so forth. 
and that we as Muslims, we, we take care of one another. And that uh, if you see a person who is really secluded and always by themselves, then that can lead to uh, all kinds of problematic things and disliked things. So we should try to bring that person out and be with the community and be with one another and uh, to help one another through these things. هذا من كمال الإيمان أن أن في الدولة الإسلامية والحاكم المسلم والمجتمع المسلم يقيم الحدود فيما حده الله سبحانه وتعالى لماذا لأن الحد هو در هو إيقاع العقوبة المقدرة شرعا مثلا حد الزنا الرجم حد شرب الخمر الجلد وهكذا كل جريمة أو كل محرم في الإسلام حرمه الله سبحانه وتعالى وحرم على لسان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فتعديه يقام الحد على فاعله لأن هذه حدود حدود الإسلام إذا إذا لو أن الإسلام لم يكن له حدود أو محاذير ومحظورات لكان الأمر منفلتا كل أحد يفعل ما يشاء ويأكل ما يشاء ولكن الله سبحانه وتعالى حدد حرم الخنزير حرم الميتة أكل الميتة حرم الزنا والعياذ بالله وغير ذلك كل هذه أمور فاحشة تضر الإنسان إما في ذا بدنه أو في مجتمعه فلهذا ما نعها الله سبحانه وتعالى فمن يتعدى هذا الطور أو يتعدى تلك الحدود يجب أن يقام عليه ماذا عقوبة تناسب فعله وهذه الحدود قررها الله سبحانه وتعالى حد الزنا حد القذف حد شرب الخمر وغيرها فإقامتها من كمال الإيمان وعدمها من ضعف الإيمان the next uh, two branches of faith the third and the sixth in the order that we mentioned at the beginning are the establishment of the uh, punishments, the physical punishments, and the preservation of honor by establishing the punishment for adultery and for false uh, accusation uh, and so forth. Uh, So one of the things that we need to understand is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to us divinely ordained punishments for certain things that... uh, uh, cross the boundaries that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has established boundaries for us uh, as believers and if we did not have these boundaries then anyone would do anything and get away with it and there would really be no uh, there would be no objective way of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah has established these boundaries uh, for example that the punishment for adultery is uh, stoning that the punishment for uh, uh, you know, adultery before marriage is, is lashing and so forth. And we recognize that part of our iman is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed these things, uh, in this particular way. So, uh, that we avoid these kinds of sins. Uh, but, you know, this also, uh, this also is something that affects our social life as well. يقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حد يعمل في الأرض خير لأهل الأرض من أن يمطروا ثلاثين صباحا المطر فيه خير منفع للأرض وللزراعة وللمواشي ولكن إقامة الحد لأنه تنفيذ لأمر الله سبحانه وتعالى ومنع من تفشي الجريمة في المجتمع هذا خير لأهل الأرض من أن تتوالى عليهم النعم الظاهرة لماذا؟ لأن النعم المقرونة بإقامة الحدود منفعتها أكبر من هذه النعم أو من هذه الآثار التي ترى بالعين 
the Prophet ﷺ also said, for a divinely ordained punishment to be established on the earth is better for the entire people of the earth uh, than if the, the, the heavens reigned for 30 days. So the heavens reigning for 30 days is actually something very good. It has many benefits. But what the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us is that uh, per, uh, establishing and doing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to do regarding these punishments is more beneficial than that. And there are many reasons for that. One of them being is that it minimizes and discourages people from engaging in these kinds of crimes and in these kinds of uh, vile acts. So it preserves, uh, it, it preserves society and it's even more beneficial than heavenly rain. الشعبة الرابعة حفظ العقل بالمنع عن المسكرات والمخبثات حفظ العقل العقل هو الغريزة التي يعقل بها الإنسان لا يمكن أن يعني العقل شيء لا يرى العقل ليس هو الدماغ أو المخ الذي في, 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 في الإنسان في, في هذه الجمجمة في الرأس ولكنه شيء غريزي معنى من المعاني بواسطته يكون الإنسان يميز والعقل نوعان نوعان عقل غريزي وعقل مكتسب ما هو الغريزي الغريزي الذي إذا ولد الإنسان يكون فيه عقل وعندما ينشأ الصبي والصغير يعرف يستطيع أن يميز بعض الأشياء هذا عقل من الغريزة غريز يعقل أن يعرف أمه يميز هذا الطفل أمه من من الأمهات الأخريات يميز أباه وهكذا وأما العقل المكتسب فهو التعامل والعيش في المجتمع يعرف الإنسان صديقه من عدوه يعرف الحق من الباطل الصدق من الكذب هذا عقل مكتسب يكتسب الإنسان بعد مرور العمر والنشوء وتدرج في السن هذا العقل واجب علينا أن نحفظه ومن واجبات الإسلام من ضروريات الدين أن يحافظ على العقل أن لا يلوث ولا تصيبه أي شيء من من ماذا من القاذورات التي تفسد ذلك العقل. The next branch of faith is the preservation of intellect uh, from you know things that are intoxicants and other kind of vile things. And the intellect, the aql in Arabic, is this innate understanding that we have. And the aql is of two kinds: this innate understanding that every human being has which is the way a child recognizes its mother, the basic things that, that every child is born with in terms of differentiating between certain things and so forth, and the uh, intellect that is acquired over time, that when a person lives in society and grows older and they start to have interactions and experiences, they're able to tell, okay, this person is dishonest, this person is honest, this person is my friend, this person uh, is my enemy, that that's something that comes with time and with experience and with growth. And the aql, the intellect in general, is something that Islam uh, was was meant to preserve. And that the intellect is not sullied and made dirty by anything that uh, intoxicates it or uh, makes one not able to use it. So uh, uh, we have to preserve it and keep it free of those things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the book, O my beloved, the fruit of 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 the fruit 
والخمر هو هي ام الخبائث يقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الحديث الخمر ام الخبائث لان شارب الخمر يفسد عقله ويفسد دينه فلا يصلي وربما يرتكب امورا من الجرائم في الاخرين فيكون هذا جرما ثالثا اذا افسد عقله وماذا واذهب دينه ثم افسد على الاخرين اما بالاعتداء بالضرب او بالقتل فيفسد عليهم حياتهم كامله فاذا هذه الخمر والعياذ بالله شربها كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ام الخبائث Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding uh, regarding the preservation of the intellect O you who believe uh, intoxicants or liquor uh, uh, intoxicants and gambling and idolatrous uh, practices and divining with arrows are repugnant acts that they are repugnant acts and if a person uh, is intoxicated and they lose their intellect then they will actually do uh, very vile things in the process that they will actually not be aware of what they're doing and they will engage in very vile practices and will go against many things uh, in the religion so they're no longer aware of themselves and uh, uh, you know they, they might they might do things that had they been uh, you know had they had their intellect they would not have done أيضا من من الأشياء التي تفسد العقل المفاهيم المغلوطة عن الدين وهذه أيضا تفسد العقل بل هي أشد إفسادا ربما من الخمر لأن الخمر تأثيرها وقتي يعني يفيق الإنسان منها ولكن المفاهيم المغلوطة أو ما يسمى بغسيل الدماغ هذا خطره أكبر لأن الإنسان يعيش في وهم وفي خطأ ويرتكب أمورا باسم الدين ثم يخسر الدين والآخرة الذي ينشأ مثلا على تكفير المسلمين ويستبيح دماءهم وعراضهم ويقتلهم يفسد عليهم دينهم, دينهم ودنياهم ويفسد على نفسه أيضا دينه ودنياه وآخرته لأن قتل الأبرياء هذه جرائم كبرى لا يسامح, عليه لا يسامح المولى سبحانه وتعالى على مرتكبها لأنه أيضا تعدى لارتكاب الحدود حتى تنفيذ الحدود وتطبيقها ليس إلي وإلى إليك تطبيق الحدود موكول إلى ولاة الأمر فلا بد من فهم الدين فهما صحيحا فإذا من ضروريات الدين أو من ضرورات الخمس حفظ العقل عن المسكرات وعن الأمور الخطيرة التي تؤدي بالإنسان إلى ارتكاب الأخطاء بظن وجهل منه Another aspect that uh, corrupts the mind that we have to be very careful of are the ideologies, the false ideologies that can really warp a person's understanding and uh, uh, brainwash them into actually misunderstanding things and making them think that they understand things, but they're actually more ignorant. So, for example, if someone is raised on a particular ideology of uh, calling other Muslims kuffar and saying that killing them and their blood is halal, it's permissible to do so, 
You know, these kinds of ideologies in some ways are even more dangerous to the mind than intoxicants because intoxicants, their, uh, their effect lasts for a, a short amount of time or a specific amount of time and then it goes away. But this kind of ideological brainwashing lasts with the person for a long time. So then the person might uh, uh, harm other people and uh, uh, bring about, you know, killing of other people based on this false understanding that they have. And no one is able to actually, even in the case where someone is guilty of some of these hudud, no one, you or I, are not able to actually exact the punishment, but it has to come from the proper authorities and from uh, governance and leadership. Uh, so you'll see that this person does all of this great harm thinking that they're doing good because of their ignorance. حفظ المال بطلب الحقوق وأدائها حفظ المال المال كما قدمنا في دروس مضت هو عصب الحياة وهو شريان الحياة لماذا؟ لأن به قوام مصالح البشر في هذه الدنيا الله سبحانه وتعالى أكد على أن المال هذا مهم ويجب الحفاظ عليه قال الله تعالى ولا تؤتوا السفهاء أموالكم التي جعل الله لكم قياما قياما بماذا؟ أي قياما بأمور المعيشة فنهان الله عن أن نؤتي السفهاء ومنهم السفهاء هم الذين بلغوا غير رشيدين أو كانوا من سفهاء الناس الذين يبذرون الأموال في ماذا في غير موضعها وفي غير ما ينبغي أن تصرف فيه فتبذير المال إما من كبار السن أو من صغارهم هؤلاء السفهاء يحرم إعطائهم المال لماذا تنبيها على أهميته وضرورته the next branch of faith is the preservation of wealth. Uh, and as we said in, in, uh, in previous lessons, that, that wealth is the means by which life is really established. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, and do not give the fools your wealth uh, by which Allah has made you established. And what's meant by established is that your life is able uh, to have to be established, that a person can have a livelihood around the wealth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them. So Allah says in the Qur'an, do not give your wealth to foolish people, to fools. And who are the sufaha? Who are these fools? Uh, it's either young people or old people, but the, the basic understanding is people who either will waste it foolishly or uh, uh, do not know how to spend it uh, uh, in the right way anyway. So Allah tells us in the Qur'an not to give them our wealth. Why? Because the preservation of wealth and using it properly and not using it excessively uh, and, and wastefully rather is uh, something that our deen uh, recommends and, and preserves. وَالشَّرِعَةُ الْإِسْلَامِيَّ وَالدِّينُ الْإِسْلَامِ حَثَّ النَّاسَ وَحَضَّهُمْ عَلَىٰ الْإِكْتِسَابِ الْحَلَالِ كَسْبِ الْمَالِ الْحَلَالِ عِفَّةُ النَّفْسِ عفة الأهل والأولاد أن لا يحوجهم إلى النظر والتطلع إلى ما في أيدي الآخرين إما بسؤال أو بمجرد الحسد ربما أحيانا يكون الإنسان قلة ما بيده تجعله في حاجة أو تجعل أولاده ينبغي يجب عليه أن يغنيهم وأن يسد حاجتهم ولهذا بعض السلف نحن عندما نذكر السلف الصالح والزهد نتصور أن السلافنا الصالحين لم يكونوا يعملون أو حتى العلماء والمحدثين بل كانوا يشتغلون ويتجرون من الصحابة عبد الرحمن بن عوف عثمان بن عفان من أغنياء الصحابة سيدنا بكر الصدق كان له تجارة أيضا من التابعين مثلا سفيان بن عيينة رحمه الله تعالى يقول في زمنه 
وهو توفي في القرن الثاني للهجرة يقول من كان في يده شيء يعني من هذه الدنانين والدراهم فليحافظ عليها فإننا في زمان من احتاج كان أول ما يضيع عليه دينه شوف هذا الكلام منظر من القرن الثاني يعني قبل 1200 سنة كان الإمام سفيان بعينه يقول هذا الكلام أن الذي ليس عنده مال يضيع عليه دينه لأنه يضطر إلى أن يسرق أو أن يكذب لكي يحصل على المال بينما إذا اكتسب المال من طريق حلال وهذا كما قلنا من ضروريات الشريعة أن يحافظ على هذا المال الحلال الذي اكتسبه حتى ينفع نفسه وينفع أهله And another aspect of wealth is that Allah has made it an obligation upon us to seek permissible and halal means of wealth and halal wealth such that a person is able to take care of themselves and to take care of their families and to preserve their honor and the honor of their families such that uh, they don't have to ask others for basic things, they don't have to beg, they don't need anything from anyone else, uh, or even such that if they see something that someone else has, they don't feel that they don't have enough, such that they might envy them or want what they have, but that it's an obligation to provide for one's family such that these basic needs are met and that they're not uh, um, asking from anyone else and looking at what other people have uh, with jealousy and envy. Uh, and when we talk about our righteous predecessors, uh, the, the, the great predecessors of the past, and we talk about their detachment, their zuhd from the world, it's not that all of them, you know, had no kind of job or they weren't doing anything of that nature. The opposite is true. Many of the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they were businessmen. Sayyidina Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan, Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, they had businesses and they would buy and sell and they were, uh, uh, you know, they were businessmen and other righteous people as well so that they could, uh, take care of their families. But the, 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 the principle upon which that is founded is seeking that which is halal. Al-Shu'bat al-Sabi'ah, la darara wa la dirar. Hifdu al-darari an al-Muslimin. من من كمال الإيمان أن الإنسان يحفظ نفسه ويحفظ من يجب عليه إرشادهم من ماذا من أن يضر بالغير وأيضا جاءت الشريعة بماذا بأخذ الحق للمتضرر فمن كمال الإيمان أن نعرف أن المتضرر له حق المواساة وأن الذي فعل الضرر ينبغي أن يعاقب عليه ف هذا وإن كان مرده إلى الحاكم أو الوالي ولكن أيضا في تطبيقاتنا فيما بيننا في مجتمعاتنا الإسلامية إذا رأينا أحدا اعتدى على آخر إما أن, إما أن نكفه عن, عن الاعتداء من قدرنا وإلا بأن نعين المظلوم على أن يأخذ حقه من ظالمه فهذا من كمال الإيمان من كمال الإيمان أن ندافع عن المظلومين وأن نردع الظالمين عن ظلمهم So one of the points that I missed from the last point, the branch of faith regarding uh, wealth, is that uh, uh, one of the great uh, predecessors, Sufyan ibn Uyayna, he said, if you have some wealth in your hand, then uh, save it and hold on to it, because having a little bit of wealth helps you preserve your religion. And why is that? Because it helps a person not get engaged in any criminal activity of stealing or doing anything that's displeasing to Allah. So a person has that independence. And then the next uh, branch of faith is uh, avoiding or lifting off 
uh, harm from the Muslims. So in our religion, if someone, uh, we want to uh, uh, minimize and prevent harm as much as possible. And if someone is harmed, then we have laws and rulings within our religion so that the person who is harmed gets a, a equal compensation and the one who did the harm is punished for harming another person. So this is extremely important and one of the, the aspects of the perfection of faith, this is part of our iman and, and, and belief, is that this is an important aspect from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the preservation of good. So if someone is uh, trying to harm another person, then the first thing that we should do is try to stop them and hold them back if we are able to do so. And if we are not able to do so, then the one who is doing the harm is punished and the one who's been harmed uh, gets some sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, compensation for the harm uh, that came to them. Not necessarily financial compensation, but something to equalize the treatment. And the one who committed the harm uh, is punished. Uh, and this is this is a, a part of equal treatment. And this comes from the rulers, not from you or I, the punishment. هذه الضرورات الخمس التي كل دين نزل كل دين إلهي كل ديانة سماوية وشرع أنزله الله سبحانه وتعالى على رسله الكرام عليه الصلاة والسلام كل هذه الأديان تحفظ هذه الأمور الخمسة التي اسمها ضرورات نسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى أن ينفعنا بما علمنا وينفع ويعلمنا ما ينفعنا ويجعل ما قلناه حجة لنا لا علينا ويجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول ويتبعون أحسنه وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد uh, so uh, we've come to the end of the branches of faith related to the five necessities, the five necessary uh, things that need to be preserved, uh, uh, of which all the religions that were revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve these five things, and that is the preservation of religion, the preservation of intellect, the preservation of honor, the preservation of wealth, and the preservation of... Uh, uh, intellect and honor so and of life the preservation of life so all of the the previous religions have sought to preserve those things so uh, uh, this is what we were covering in this lesson and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he teaches us that which benefits us and benefits us through what he has taught us and makes what we have learned a proof for us and not a proof against us and may peace and blessings be upon the Prophet Muhammad and upon his family and companions. Thank you for listening to this Seekers Hub podcast. To listen to the rest of our shows, please visit seekershub.fm. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter called Compass, where we'll send the best of Seekers Hub's content straight to your inbox every single week. To get on the list, visit seekershub.org slash compass.